Hello everyone, this is Frank Andrews and this is the OK Tulsa Podcast, episode 11. Today is Monday, October 19th, 2020. I want to give an update of the weekend. Friday, I went to this the free concert at the Williams Green. I forgot what the woman's name was, but she has a band. It was remar- remarkable to me because what you... You already consciously realize this, but you really, it becomes very definite for you when you see it live. And that is that there's supremely talented individuals who go through their entire life just not being successful versus there's individuals who you see in popular culture and sticking with any art, but let's just say music. And there's artists that aren't very talented they don't write their own music, they don't they can't play an instrument, they can't sing, but yet they're making millions for being an artist. It's just I, I guess it really is like this image and you have to know the right people. But this woman in particular, she was older, the rest of the band was older. The only issue I had with them, they sounded great, they were all talented musicians, but I just do not think they were artists. And I know that may sound harsh, but there's a difference. Music it's meant to captivate. It's like a spell. If you hear a song, a good song that you really like, it really does entrance you and captivate you and you become possessed by the music. We've all had this experience, if, unless you've never heard good music in your life, but this music, like, it possesses you, just kind of moves you, you get lost into it because a good song is kind of uh, analogous to life in a weird way because if you think about it, it has the chorus and routine, a similar beat, which we, we resonate with. Life is a lot of the times very scheduled routine, but then we love a little excitement. So they throw some things in the music, which are meant to change up the pace, change up the kind of wording, and it kind of throws it off, but it's exciting. And then it gets back to being scheduled once again. And we all really like that. There's usually a build up to something great. But yeah, so this woman and her band, great musicians but none of their she sounded like she was her voice was from a different era and the songs were she had kind of this patty smith kind of vibe she was like she sang really well but yeah she looks a little like pat all of them are past their midway point in their life it's hard to reinvent yourself unless she pulls a sia sia i believe started to be very popular in the early 40s when she decided to switch up her image, but she already had her foot in the door. I don't know if this woman does. Sia was writing hit songs for a lot of different artists. Like she hit, made a, she wrote the song for Rihanna, I think, uh, Shine Bright Like a Diamond. I'm pretty positive and many others. So she was around that and she just had to kind of transform herself, but perhaps this lady could do it. I don't want to discredit her and her band, but if I was them, I would actually just be doing cover songs because they're talented enough to be a cover band, right? Like a wedding band, they can play a, di- a bunch of different songs. She kind of has the Fleetwood Mac kind of vibe because she was, you know, the cool lead singer. Uh, they had actually another musician too, that was a girl. I think she was a drummer and the rest are all men. So sort of like a Fleetwood Mac kind of style. But they could do a lot of different songs. She had a powerful voice. But yeah, her songs just weren't... They weren't enjoyable at all. It was rightfully free. They sounded like a fair band. And what I mean by that, it's not like a state fair where you buy tickets to see somebody. It's like, 
you're going to certain like food fests or food fairs, like these different kind of fairs. And then there just happens to be live music there. You didn't know. They just say it on the flyer, like live music. And there's a band there that is family friendly. The band's enjoying it, but the people aren't really enjoying it. But they're like, hey, music. And they may just kind of listen for a little bit and say, all right, I'm, I'm disinterested. It becomes very dull. And that's how it was with this lady and her band. It's about two, two and a half songs in. I just left. It was cold too, but... Yeah, I wanted to check her out. But they would do themselves a huge service if they decided to not only do weddings, but to be a cover band. I know I don't want to be insulting the individual, but I think there is a place for those people who play place because sometimes cover bands play the songs better live than the actual band does, right? Because they may just sound great in the studio, but not live. And this these people could really do it. And then you get the crowd involved because the crowd loves, you know, Music is one of those things where rarely do we want something new. People buy tickets to the concert to listen to the songs they already know and love. So if you're playing the songs that they already know and love, they will be far more invested into it and be having a good time. And it becomes this dialogue between between the crowd and the the band, which is needed. A crowd is just as important as the artist. I think the artist is, can be more important but I don't know, it's debatable. When you're, I, I used to go to a lot of live shows and I'm sure many of you have as well. And the crowd, it does really make or break it, especially if like the crowd is not into it and there no one's having a good time, that energy's dead and then it affects the artist too and the band and the whole thing just seems like, oh, there's no energy. But when you have a very, lively crowd full of fervor and passion and they're dancing they're singing it pumps up the artist and he it's just there's this dialogue and they're both bringing that energy level up and you just get lost in it that's amazing but the thing is these individuals who people are going for free shows aren't really they're not familiar with this person's music perhaps they make have a good song and someone's like hey it's pretty catchy but they're never going to be fully into it so it would be beneficial for them to possibly if they really want to push their own songs play cover songs and their own songs so that way you can kind of mix it in so people stay you know ready and willing to receive your new music because you have provided them with something that they can uh, sing and enjoy themselves by playing a song that they already know and love that's my own opinion but I could be wrong but anyways yeah she just was a fair band at the moment and unfortunately it may end up being that way it's sad though in a way i can't help i mean it's cool but also sad it's cool that they are able to play for people even though it's not for money i'm sure she's made money and her band for being musicians and artists but it's such a tough thing to, to sell your creativity it's very very challenging and then there's also a sadness to it because it's like these people are you see them and many of them now you, there may have been some that are in the 50s but they're creeping to those ages and it's not to say that you're everything's dead and your life should end it's not you have a long life still ahead if you're lucky like 30 40 more years that's a long time but something like music it's such a it can be a young person's game it's specific genres sometimes you can extend it but there's people who have done it it's just a challenge to be that right to be it, it stops being intriguing it stops being like this sexy thing romantic thing when you are 50 years old and you're a struggling artist right starving artist struggling musician whatever that may be it stops being as uh pleasant and intriguing when you're young 
it's it's something that we all kind of love and romanticize right the the early 20 year old individual who's chasing their dream they're starving and struggling artists they may be into drugs too that makes it even more uh romantic right they live this wild lifestyle they're free-spirited it's all great when you're young but then when you're in your 50s right late 40s early 50s and you're still a struggling artist and doing these things it starts to feel sort of sort of like you may have to pity these musicians and it's sad i mean that's just my own opinion at the moment it's you can't help but you want to say that's awesome you continue to do that in a way it is but also in a way it's like it's also quite sad because you know they really are love this and they want to try to make it happen but it hasn't happened yet for 30 20 30 years perhaps it will come around the corner you never know but yeah i just can't help but feel this sadness and sorrow for those people i wanted to work for them but they may just end up perishing as a lonely uh not completely lonely but just they don't they don't leave a legacy they don't pass on their genetics they don't have a family they didn't leave really a legacy for individuals to really know they'll probably die and never be remembered unless someone picks up the record somehow and it gets popular after their death which doesn't really happen in music it's more so that's more in books sometimes film but definitely not you don't really hear that about music it typically gets lost occasionally someone may bring it back but yeah, rarely. Rarely does someone die and then years later someone finds their music and says, this person was amazing. It happens, of course, but that's very, very... It's hard to find an example. If I'm pressed for an example, I can't pull one up immediately. So that's what I mean. It's like these people tried to leave a legacy. They wanted to chase their dreams, whatever it may be, of being a musician or an artist. And they have nothing to show for it at the end and other than probably just suffering through life because it's not fun not to be able to pay your bills or worry about worry about it all the time so hopefully they have a, a job that supplements it and then that they're still chasing that dream <clears throat> but yeah i just wanted to bring that up the next thing that i wanted to bring up that was quite it's quite annoying to me i want to point it out some may admonish me for this or rebuke me or for saying this but i think it has to be said so i ate at this place i don't want to say the name but i left a review it wasn't a scathing or like a i wasn't lambasting the, the establishment because i don't like leaving bad reviews i still gave it a four out of five but the food was trash the food was terrible it was barely edible and I paid a decent amount for it it had great reviews but whatever I go in the food was the food sucked the service was great they're friendly the establishment seemed great they had different things on the menu so I gave them the benefit of the doubt by leaving the reviews saying tell them being honest and the food was not great it was almost inedible but I could have selected the wrong menu choice still they shouldn't have that item on the menu if it's going to be terrible but I wanted to give the benefit of the doubt. They're known for other things. They aren't known for what I got. So I still would give it a chance. But anyways, the owner messaged me my comment back. And in the first line, they want to say that they're a family business. And that instantly annoyed me because I've seen this too many times. And what I mean is that family businesses want to be excluded from criticism, always. 
it, it instantly pulls at your heartstrings. I'm sure it probably did when I said it, and it did for me when I saw the review, because I was like, oh, maybe I was too harsh on them. But then you're like, no, not really. It's like, we always want to, it's easy for us to criticize a corporation, which is made up of people as well. But it seems like it's, it's you're detached. It seems like they're like the, the Death Star. Darth Vader running this corporation, so you can say anything to it, right? And everyone's fine with that. But if you trash a family-owned restaurant, you're made to be the villain. But it's like this restaurant, who cares if it's family-owned? Because clearly the family's in the wrong line of business. They're going to run a shitty establishment. Yeah, so I've just been, that's been bothering me. I think it's it's becoming a cop-out. Might as well just start doing that. Corporations should start, should start saying that. Like, well, actually, this fam this has been owned, like the Ford. Ford corporations should say this is a family-ran corporation, which I believe it is because I believe there is Ford heading it at the moment. Of course, they have a board, but they can start saying that to try to get some sympathy. And yeah, I wouldn't have brought this up, but I've been seeing it more and more, especially during this time, during COVID time, when everyone's struggling and family-owned businesses. That's why I didn't want to trash it. I didn't trash it. I gave it a good review, even though the food sucked. And I said I would give another chance, but they instantly want to say, oh yeah, by the way, we're a family-owned business with this and this and this. And you're like, that's not an excuse to run a poorly, like your, if your business is poorly ran or if you're making, if you're creating a subpar product or providing a terrible service, subpar quality product, you have to face some criticism or get out of the business just because your family owned doesn't give you an excuse. So that was my, my, my little rant there about it. I went to Kai Vietnamese. Well, I got takeout again on the weekend. It was delicious. I tried the pho and a different spring roll. Phenomenal. Shout out to that place. They do it right. Hope they're a family owned business. Also went to the library, which was nice. The security guard was a homie, let me keep my water, just had me place it somewhere else. Yeah, I love the library, it's fantastic. This weekend I really didn't do too much. I went to AHA, the museum, that ex exhibition. The employees were friendly, it was cool, but I went by myself. It's definitely something you should go to with someone else. And if you have children, definitely. But there's a lot of things where it's like, it's not very big in regards to things you can see and experience, but if you have somebody you're, you can stay around and create, like there was a part in the experience that you create these leaves with paint. And when I went to do it, there was no paint brushes or water, but then I was already leaving and then I saw the, the employee bring like new paint brushes and water. So that was it. But there's a studio upstairs that's pretty cool, but it had a bunch of children and I was just by myself. so. Yeah, I, I, there's a patio. I went in to enjoy the patio outside on the roof, get some views. It was a beautiful day. But yeah, it was cool. Uh, there's a local artist. I forgot her name. It's something Atwood. She makes these oil paintings and they're phenomenal. They're a little above my price range. I'm not an art collector yet, but I was very impressed with hers in particular. Everyone else, nah. They're local artists and you see them, you say they're good, but they're not anything that re that's really moving. But this lady in particular had the talent that you would see at a museum, like a to be revered and looked at and admired and really contemplated over because 
the images, she used archetypal images. I think that's why I'm just naturally inclined to be attracted to it. It produces this, or it evokes a visceral effect immediately because she's using such powerful images. One of them is the image of the Divine Mother. She placed herself as a self-portrait, sort of like Mary and in, in like cosmic space, really being that kind of cosmic mother. But the way she does the oil paint, it looks like it's glass. It's yeah, so she's working with those archetypal images and doing this uh, beautiful technique, which I haven't seen before. And it's, it's, yeah, it's marvelous, but I just can't see myself spending $2,000 right now on, on some art. But I want to give her a shout out. I wish I, I have her name. I took a photo of it, but I know it's, it starts with an M, ends with like Atwood. It's like Margaret Atwood. But I think that's the artist, I mean, the author of The Hands Made Tale, I think. But yeah, she was amazing. Everything else was, it was good, but nothing that really is extraordinary except for that one. And then the experiences were really cool how they set, they set it up. There was a, a spaceship one and I felt like I was walking, you know, through the moon. No, it was cool. They did it. They give these glasses where everything's psychedelic. That one's pretty cool. The moon spot. I um, actually saw where the first astronauts like Buzz Aldrin, Neil Armstrong, the ones who walked on the moon, where they came back and where they placed the footprints and where they stayed for in quarantine for two weeks. It was, it's in Alameda. It was, I went to that museum. It's the USS Hornet. It's an old naval ship. And they picked the, they picked the astronauts up when they returned to earth. And so that you can see where they first put their feet down and where they stayed for a couple weeks. So it was cool. But I bring that up because at the AHA experience they had, their own little space section. Someone did an exhibition for that. Another one did this childlike room place, which was pretty interesting because the colors and everything of that nature. And it was like pretty psychedelic in regards to having, well, trippy, like the nature had these eyes and you walk into this other room where it's all conscious, unconscious with the black and white symmetry. And then inside was like a brain that was operating everything. So that one was pretty cool. I don't really remember the other one. I think the other one was just lights and a mirror, like some mirrors. I think those are the two main ones. Oh, no, the other one was the leaf one. They had this big, uh, cool, it almost looked like a camel slash deer, but it's made out of wood and people could put leaves all over and that's where you're painting it. But yeah, I didn't get a chance to do it, but I highly recommend it doing, doing that with like friends or if you're on a date, like I saw two, uh, a couple doing it when I was there like painting so it felt a little awkward because I was the only other one in that room with them they were but they weren't talking so it made things more awkward but I do want to go again if my family or friends ever come to visit well family and my nephews I think they would really enjoy it because there's a lot to do for children and they're doing like pumpkin carving and painting as well so there's a lot I would recommend it, but yeah, don't really go by yourself. You're not going to have as much fun. That's definitely something that you do as a group or with a friend or a date. It's not like a normal museum. Like normal museums, I usually love going by myself because I can go at my own pace. I don't have to really worry about someone else not having a good time. Like this definitely, it's more interactive. You need somebody to really like chill with and hang out. But otherwise, other than that, I didn't really do much in regards to I didn't go out I thought about going out but I just wasn't in the mood I didn't want to drink 
So I, I stayed back, uh, read a bunch, wrote, and watched some... I watched the BBC rendition of Sense and Sensibility, which was uh, phenomenal. I really enjoyed it. I love that era, the, early, the late 18th century, late 19th century, the 1800s, you know, the polite kind of society, the Victorian era in a way, but there's something that's very romanticized about it. You know, these, these grand estates, the dances, the way they spoke to one another, the politeness and there's just like the tea time. It's just there's a romanticism about it that I'm always drawn to those kind that kind of era and those kind of movies or shows. And also I watched I started watching this show on Amazon called Z The Beginning of the End, I believe. It's about Zelda Fitzgerald, Scott Fitzgerald's wife. If you don't know who that is, he wrote The Great Gatsby. He wrote many other books like The Set of Paradise and other of those books that are that capture the youth of the 20s but the great gatsby is what he's known for but in this I, it's it's not i stopped watching because it seems so one-sided in regards to i'm sure fitzgerald was kind of an asshole because he was an alcoholic but they make him just this completely horrible person the whole time it doesn't really show them having a good time which i'm sure there was moments when it was really fun and loving not just like chaos instead it's just like zelda's trying to be this perfect wife and Scott's just this drunken asshole. And that's like every episode. He's always doing something ridiculous, messing something up, hurting her feelings, and she's treated as like this perfect person, which is probably definitely not true. I'm sure he was an asshole, but I'm sure she was just as crazy. They both were partiers and just jealous all the time of each other. And it seemed like a chaotic but passionate relationship. And with those relationships, there's highs and lows. And they're not really showing the highs. In the when they first fell in love, it was a little more romantic. But instantly, it was like she was trying to be this great wife, and he was just this crazy guy who was very insecure, which I probably was. Most writers are, I feel, narcissistic and just drunk all the time, and just m making her life hell and everyone else around him hell. And so I just don't like it because it's really trying to portray Zelda as this perfect person, which no one is. I'm sure she was great at times, but make it mix it up. Show them both being bad to each other, but both being great to each other. Because I'm sure it wasn't horrible all the time. In the partying days, there had to be some fun ones. Instead, they portrayed it as just being sad. Like, yet yeah, sad, depressing, and they're just being a nuisance. I'm sure some nights they were just a nuisance to everyone. They were young. They both, well, he didn't come for money. He got money instantly, instant success. And then sure it went to his head didn't know what to do with it like most people when they're first given money and then spent it all but yeah uh so that was the show i was watching for a little bit it was interesting nonetheless but otherwise uh, i went to the co-working space this morning and swung why i'm wearing a blazer it's quite cold it was 40 degrees and i thought walking would be a good would be a good idea and it was for a while until i couldn't feel my ears i couldn't feel my face and i felt like the weekend minus the cocaine in regards to i can't feel my face my ears were frozen for a while but it was very productive i had a lot of work to do back for my other for the other business but it's great the coffee was delicious they mix up the coffees every now and then uh the love of my life was in there once again i think i found her on uh, the membership portal but i can't be certain can't do like social media creeping or anything she's a goddess but anyways 
I plan on just relaxing, reading a little more, and probably writing a review on the library because I took some photos finally of it and I want to have a nice review about it because it's always been great. Every employee there has been marvelous. Security has been friendly. The place is extravagant. And if only it was open, it would be fantastic because then I could really sit there and enjoy it. I can't wait. Hopefully the COVID thing ends eventually. I worry that we're going to have to have a second lockdown and it's going to be even more strict, but let's pray that does not happen. Thank you for listening. This is the OK Tulsa podcast. This is Frank Andrews and goodbye.